you know, we've seen shooter titles, they work, you know, fighting games, this sort of thing, but no one has really ever done like an action game quite like the way we're doing it. So that's, that's another really cool thing about the game. And then we're wrapping all of that within Web3. So there is crypto obviously involved, but we're, we have a very light hand on it. with Brad Nickel, where we explore projects in decentralized finance that are innovating and driving our mission of financial freedom forward. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review Mission DeFi and spread the word by posting a tweet to the show. All opinions expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests are their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Black Knox, Material Indicators, or any other affiliated organizations. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests as an inducement to make a particular investment, follow a particular strategy, or become involved with any project. A project being featured on the show is not an endorsement of that project in any way. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Now, here's Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel. I am excited today to have an old friend and collaborator on the show. His name is Roy Blackstone. And Roy has led a lot of projects in the DeFi and crypto and NFT space. He is a writer of fantasy novels. He's working on a really cool game, which is going to be one of the focuses of our conversation today. And he's done some really cool projects that I've been involved with in the NFT space, advises a ton of projects and just has a really successful background as a, as an investor and a, and a builder in this space. So Roy, thanks so much for joining us. Why don't you tell us first a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got in this and you're living a nomad life as well. So that's cool. You can talk about that if you like, but let's, uh, let's start there with who you are and how you got here. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. And I hope you don't mind. I was actually just setting up a light there. So that was, no, was what kind that of was. fun. I thought maybe you were going to just keep them cycling through that. No, no, no. I, I don't want to give anyone like, what is that? Like an Apple? Oh yeah. I'll have to do a warning yeah. in advance. Yeah, like, yeah. like on Marvel shows. Yeah. 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 But okay, cool. So quick introduction on myself. My name is Roy Blackstone. I primarily am, am sort of involved in crypto. I think that's mostly what I've done, you know, majority of my adult or let's say professional career. I sort of got involved back in 2016. Before that, I wasn't really doing anything. I was like playing World of Warcraft all day, like 14 hours a day. That was fun. And yeah, I've been working in crypto ever since. I have sort of done it all, almost. You know, I think, I so I've seen two cycles since 2016 now. So I, I, would, I wouldn't say I've like seen it all, but I've seen like quite a lot. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've done pretty much everything. I've worked as an influencer back in the day. I used to be like pretty damn popular. I used to review projects. I used to analyze, like write analysis articles uh, on projects, that sort of thing. And then I moved to, and then obviously like I was a, just a degenerate retail trader when I started. Right. I still do a little bit of degening. Um, and then I moved towards investing, angel investing, v, like venture capital. I actually had a fund last year, which was pretty successful because we actually closed it at the top. So nice. we, we started, nice. we opened it up and it was only open for like eight months or something, but we made a ton of money and then we closed it and it was great. That's um, beautiful. Yeah. So I've, I've done the VC game as well. Like, you know, professional VC registered and everything. And then recently I've been building. So I've been like building a lot more stuff in the last maybe like year and a half, two years or so. I've just been building a lot of different projects 
I kind of feel like I have when I when I was first in crypto, I just I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any connections. I didn't have the cloud. I didn't have the experience. And like sort of as time goes on, I have those resources that are become become available to me. And I yeah, I just started building cool shit. So that's pretty well, much it. I'm 28 years old. And uh, yeah, I like video games. I like anime. I like, you know, yeah. Pretty, and, pretty you, and you're going to step into the ring on crypto fight night in November, I hear. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a you fun have a, one. You have boxing training? Yeah, so I've been training for over a year now. Actually, no. I started, so so the funny thing about that fight night is the first one was last year. It was October like 15th or something, and I had actually sponsored it. <laughs> so I had gotten like my name and my logo on like the mat and on people's shorts. It was super cool. That's cool. But I was sitting there at the VIP table, the sponsor table. I was watching the fight. I was like, you know. I could probably do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a dangerous thing to say. Yeah, and I was already and I was already like practicing a little bit of boxing just kind of like as a hobby or as like like a health thing. Yeah, I was yeah. Doing it for maybe like 3 months so far at that time and yeah, I just like messaged the guy, the organizer. I was like, "Dude, put me in next year." He was nice. like, "Are you sure?" I was like, "Yeah. No problem." Uh, yeah. So it's it's been 1 year since then practicing, getting ready. And uh, yeah. Who are you fighting? Charles Reed. So he runs Rarestone Capital. He's the founder. Before that, I think he was doing a lot of uh, PR. I think he had like a PR company. I think it might have yes. actually still been called Rarestone. So he's another guy who's who's done like quite a lot in crypto as well. Very multifaceted. Do I think you know one him? of the things that so he's actually an investor in this other project <laughs> that I that I stepped down from publicly. But yeah, he was an investor in that one. Um, nice. So yeah, I've, I've met him before. I've talked to him a little bit. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Cool. Ready to fight him. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to hate him for a few minutes at least. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> I can't wait to watch that. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I mean it's it's certainly it's, it's something different, you know. For for me, I that's fun. Like most of my life, I kind of grew up sort of adhering to like the more academic or mental side of like life or whatever. I never really did anything physical for a very, right. very long time. I was actually like so a few years ago, I was like super obese, by the way. I lost like I lost like a hundred and 30 pounds or something like that. Holy shit. That's yeah, amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite, quite a bit. So, yeah. So I, I kind of like, I made like a hard right. So I went from like, wow, that to just like, now I'm like fighting and boxing. So that's fun. That's a nice transformation. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it. Okay. So you and I met through Doki Doki. Uh, and by the we way, did. I have a, I have a cat that I found and took in as a stray that I named Doki Doki. That's still that's here. Cute. And, uh, what kind yeah, of cat? She, it's i don't know what the kind is it's got like the striped fur gray and black mm, you know okay. she, she's a sweetheart she's you know as soon as you said cat i thought i thought exactly that gray that's black cool that's the, yeah yeah <laughs> so you and i met with doki doki we were both kind of advising the founder ray who's a great guy really smart doki doki is a randomized what's called gachapon nft distribution system minting system which is now a protocol and you were not only advising, but you actually did a project in conjunction with Doki Doki that I'm invested in, well, invested as in buying NFTs uh, called Chain Binders. But the, the really fascinating thing about this was not only was the protocol that you guys built really cool, we'll talk about that in a minute, but the amount of production work you put into this. And that to me was what was so astounding. From the art, you, you, you hired world-class artists, musicians to put together these nfts and have real backstories and real value and you wrote 
all of the backstories and you have a background as a fantasy writer as well correct is that is that correct yeah so i have one published book it is fantasy yep and so to me i was fascinated by all of the creative work that went into these nfts and how amazing that was but the protocol itself was really cool because people that were buying the nfts would buy would get a token called bnd and then they would buy the NFTs in the Gatchapon machine and randomly get these NFTs. But the some of the NFTs were backed by the Ethereum used to buy the token to buy the NFTs. And so my NFTs over time have are backed, a percentage of them are backed by Ethereum. And as people exit and burn their NFTs to get their Ethereum backing out, I'm gaining more Ethereum on a regular basis. And that to me was a really cool concept and a really cool protocol and a great way to do a project. What made you go down that path of kind of not only creating these elaborate, amazing NFTs with all this creativity behind them, but also create the protocol that way? Yeah, so I had actually very, I don't think I've ever said this before, what I'm, what I'm gonna say now, by the way, but cool. I've had various like iterations of this idea floating in my head for a long time. Right. So the first, I think the first time anyone saw anyone saw crypto kitties i think it was very obvious to people that like okay they're, they're like you know crypto has killer apps beyond just like you know boring financial stuff right and that really got the gears turning for me and crypto kitties was like a long long time ago but yeah i started thinking about you know the best way to sort of do nft projects before they were known i don't even think they were known as nfts back then so what what we actually had back then was like collections of like ERC, I think, I don't even think they were on Ethereum. They were like counterparty tokens, XCP, oh, like okay. XCP NFT tokens. But the first one that I really liked was called a rare, it was called Pepe Cash. Okay. So <laughs> you could buy like these cards that were actually like pictures of like various smug Pepes. And you can still find these if you go on Google. And I think the assets still, my friend CryptoPath actually is like super popular on, on Twitter. He bought, I think the very first Pepe Cash NFT like ever made or something. I don't know what Amazing. he did for it, but yeah, he's he really likes to collect this kind of stuff. But that was sort of a really cool idea. I thought it was great because it basically had, what you had is you had this community at the end of the day of people creating these cards and people were just like working on this thing, like almost for free, but people wow. were like really making money on this. Like if you made a cool card, people would buy it and you would make, Not you know, I think some people even made like a few thousand dollars on, you know, some really cool cards that they made. So anybody could make a card for the collection, essentially, is what you're saying. Yeah, that one. So that was community sort of fueled. You, That's all cool. you needed to do was, yeah, all you needed to do was buy some Pepe Cash, which was, it's a really funny name, but it was the, the token you could buy. And so that was like sort of the value proposition of like, why would you want to hold this token? Because other people are buying it to make these these cards. So that was really, really cool. And that sort of got me thinking about cards. <laughs> so I like card games a lot. I, you know, I've been a super avid player of Hearthstone. I was like legend rank in that. I played Yu-Gi-Oh ever since I was a kid. Never played Magic, but I played Legends of Runeterra, which is another really, really well-refined card game in my opinion. I just like cards and, and that sort of nice. like design. So I was thinking, you know, for a long time about how to sort of implement this in, in like a crypto way. And then also like I'm I'm very like fundamentally like sort of based in in the sense that like i don't really ever want to leave things to sort of like you know if people think about well what's the value behind this you know people have different answers my answer right. to that question is like 
well, it has real value behind it. Why? You know, in, yeah. And my sort of solution to that was like, well, you can get Ethereum out of it. So the very first iteration of chain binders was not chain binders. It was called Cryptaros. Huh? And this thing, this project started up maybe what, two years ago now, and it was not anime at all. It was basically a collection of all of the memes of the world put together. So Donald Trump had a card, but you might've also had a card that was like Mickey Mouse. So we wow. combined everything. And this was like before, before anyone knew what the hell NFTs were before any of this, I was like working on this shit. I was like, this That's is amazing. Like, yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately I had some like really like, I don't want to say shitty devs, but I had some devs who just kind of, uh, you know, didn't know yeah. what they were doing, but it's fine. The idea would have, it was so early that if we like had actually executed on it, it wouldn't have been like as big. I don't think it, right. it really wouldn't have taken off. It's all about that's timing. one of those, that's one of those bad things that turns into a good thing. Cause it allows you to refine things further. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, ultimately what ended up coming out of that. So I put that project away for a long, long time, long time, like a year. And I just didn't even really think about it. And then sort of NFTs got popular again. And then I got involved with Doki and I was like, maybe this is like the place where I can actually implement this cool idea that I've had in my head for such a long time. And we did it. So, yeah. yeah. Nah, it was an awesome idea. And and you launched it. I mean, we it was essentially launched in the middle of the, the downturn of the NFT marketplace. And it still did really well because I think people were so intrigued by all of the mechanics that you built into this. The art was attractive, the 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 creativity behind it, the music, all aspects of it was attractive, and the mechanism was really sexy for people, right? That and the randomization of what you would get made the backing even more interesting because you had this opportunity to get far more back than what you put in in terms of the value of ETH at that time and the value of ETH in the future. And, and that to me, I I I spent way too much on that, but right now I'm really happy I did. Right. Because the likelihood is, is that I would have traded that money away somewhere or I would have put it in, you know, Olympus or something else stupid and and not have it. And now I just sit there and watch it and check into it every now and then. And it just the amount of ETH backing it just keeps increasing. And I have no doubt that ETH eventually is going to be, <clears throat> you know, far greater value. So I loved the mechanism. I thought it was really cool. And you and I were talking before the show. I really think there's a lot more that could be done with that mechanism. So hopefully we'll we'll see you do something with that at some point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I guess just like if you if you if you think about it, just comparing most NFTs go to zero. Our yeah. NFTs with like the chain binders NFTs like have only ever gone up essentially. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what the AP the APY would be per year on it, but I think it's probably something like 20% or something on your ETH you're getting. I gotta year. believe it. Yeah. yeah, something like that. So it's it's not bad, not bad at all. No, it's I mean, and look, compare compare that collection to anything else that released in that month or in the month prior relative to value today. It's it blows the doors off all of them. Yeah, I think the only the only projects that have really maintained value are like board apes, crypto punks, kind of they <clears throat> they hit a floor recently, and then. You have a few projects here and there that are a lot more uh, less stable, I would say, like Azuki and things like that. So like these do, these projects do exist, but it's certainly like it's very rare to have a project that sort of maintains its value. And that was the idea behind Chain Binders, where it's like you don't need to find a seller. You know, you don't need yeah. to find a market. You can just exit whenever you want. Yeah. And now it's a game for us that hold. 
right? Because yep. it's like, how long am I going to stay in, right? Am I going to be the last man standing? And how much is that going to be worth if it is? Because the pot of ETH will be significant at that point. So oh, yeah. really cool concept. I, I love it. I think there's opportunities for there for, for fundraising for projects, for releasing collections and all kinds of other stuff. So I hope I'll, I'll keep bugging you about it because I can't get it out of my head. I was just talking about it this week on, on my DeFi lunch show. So, and talking about you and how brilliant the whole thing was, I loved it. All right. But now you've decided you want to take on one of the most difficult things in the tech space. And that is creating a successful video game that is also happens to be crypto and NFT oriented, I assume, mm -hmm. uh, called Shadow War. And you've been working on this a while. And I can only assume that I, I have seen some advanced graphics, which look awesome, but I can only assume that you're putting as much work into backstory and concepts and the art and the music or more than you did even on chain binders. So can you tell us a little bit about the project, why you're taking on something that is such a difficult space to, to succeed in and what, what the approach is that you're taking to, to building this thing? Yeah, yeah, that's a man. That's a that's a good question. Okay, so I'll try to answer that first. I guess I'll sort of like explain a little bit about it because right now we're in stealth, so this is probably the first public sort of place we're gonna actually mention this thing, which is cool. I'm actually kind of glad this it's here. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not many people really know about this thing. So we've been working on it for. Well, I've been working on it at least conceptually over a year now, and then we've been in production for this thing for eight months now, almost. So yeah, it's, it's definitely been cooking quite a while. Different from Chainbinders in the sense that Chainbinders was this NFT project we sort of spun up and finished and had to finish in a very quick time period. And that was like two months. So it's like, you know, how much can you get done in eight weeks reasonably? Not very yeah. much, but we right. did, you know, as best as we could. It was Herculean. <laughs> so then I'm thinking like, you know, what if I had like a few years to do something? <laughs> yeah. So I, I've, I've worked on big projects before. Like the, the last like super, super big project I worked on was actually my book. I spent like three years writing that thing. I think certainly I've, you know, I, I kind of had the experience of, of making these worlds and this sort of thing. And so, you know, for, for Shadow War, it's just something that I think is creatively interesting to me. It's, it makes sense within the context of crypto because it is a it is a crypto game at the end of the day. It does utilize crypto, but then it also doesn't. It does it does things in in a completely different way compared to I think a lot of these sort of upcoming crypto titles. But yeah, so I guess a super quick rundown of sort of what the game is. It's yeah, sort of like so it, we kind of right now my internal title for it is like a, an action hybrid or a hybrid action title. Yeah. There is strategy. There's elements of strategy to it. It's five versus five. So it's similar to like, you know, Overwatch or League of Legends in that respect. And then this is a cyberpunk story as well. So it sort of takes place in the future, which is a huge departure for me because I've, I've never written cyberpunk ever. You know, I, I, I'm much more familiar and comfortable with fantasy. That's for sure. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, Chainbinders was a good example of that. And moving into cyberpunk is so weird <laughs> and interesting. That's so yeah. weird. That's crazy. Yeah. So tell me about kind of the mechanics of the game. What's how how is how is it going to function? How's it going to work? And then we'll get into kind of the lore behind it. Yeah, yeah. So so gameplay wise, again, it, it sort of harkens back to a lot of these action titles. So some of my favorite games include games like Devil May Cry, 
you know, near automata, near replicant. These are action titles where, you know, you're given a sword and you do, you know, cool hack and slash maneuvers with it. Right. And so the game is essentially like an action title, but we go beyond that. We, we give you swords and then we also give you guns. So there's a very nice. similar game to sort of what we're building that released, I think, like 20 years ago or so by this oh, Korean wow. team. Yeah, it's, it's actually called Guns, the duel. <laughs> and essentially, you have all these characters with katanas and pistols. And it's fun how you can balance a game around long range and short range melee ability. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so Guns is one of the sort of inspirations that I look at and that we look at on the team, as well as these sort of like more modern action titles. When we look at the sort of esports scene, there really is like a space missing for this kind of game. Cool. So that, that's really what we're building. So again, it's, it's five versus five and it's this action title. But then we're also adding strategic elements to it, you know, so you have your team of five. And maybe you need to get two objectives at once. So how do you split your team up? And then aside from that, you know, you have these roles. So you have your tanks, you have your tacticals, because we don't have healers in the game because I think it's, well, healing is very anti-fun, but we, we have these four <laughs> characters called tacticals. We have characters that are sort of good at everything. They're called assault, assault characters. Right. And then we have characters that are really good at long range. They're called the specialists. And then we have assassins, which are called predators. These sort of go and find, you know, squishy targets and take them out. So there's a lot of strategy to it, sort of wrapped within this context of an action title. Really what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it AAA. We're trying to make it as AAA as we can, you know, really increase the quality as, as far as we can, you know, whether it comes to the art, you know, or the world or the, you know, the music. It's, I've, I've always been like that. You know, I really like to have my production quality uh, when it sure. comes to this kind of thing. So... <clears throat> Yeah, that, that's what the game uh, is going to be like. I think it's it's going to be a challenge for us to build just because of the networking and latency. Oh. This is something people don't really think about. But the reason this sort of action title hasn't been built by like a big AAA company is because it's very risky, actually, because it's sort of like an unproven model of actually doing this over the Internet. You know, we've seen shooter titles, they work, you know, fighting games, this sort of thing, but no one has really ever done like an action game quite like the way we're doing it. So that's, that's another really cool thing about the game. And then we're wrapping all of that within Web3. So there is crypto obviously involved, but we're, we have a very light hand on it. We, I think, you know, if you look at the sort of space or the ecosystem of all of these crypto games that are currently coming out, you know, a lot of them are charging people you know, purchase this NFT for $200 in order to get in, or you have yeah. to take tokens to get in, or you have to, you know, there's, it's all this like gating, right. all of these things that are going to make it harder for people to actually enjoy your, your, your game, to enjoy the experience, which to me is, is completely counterintuitive. Totally agree. If you have a good game, you'll make a lot of money anyway. So you don't really need to sort of do any of this gating. So what we're doing is we're going to make it free to play. We're making it, good. you know, anyone can download this thing, anyone can play it. And then we're going a step beyond that is all of this sort of world that we're making, this IP, this intellectual property is also going to be completely free for people to actually take and wow. make their own things with it. So let's say you write books, you want to write a book based on the Shadow War IP. You want to write it about a character, you can take this That's character and, awesome. and do it and, and sell and make money. And, you know, we're, we're totally cool with that. Well, that, I mean, that's a brilliant idea because if you really think about it, when you look at projects where people engage games are not games where people engage in actually creating spinoff content that can drive so much more engagement into the game. Right. So from my perspective, I think it's an awesome way to motivate people to be engaged, to do it, to play it, to share it with friends. 
because they're going to create things that they want other people to see and take part in and and collaborate on as well. That's I love that. That's that's really smart. Yeah, I mean, I I think one of the ways that I describe this game to people when I talk about it is that we're not we're not really creating a game by itself. We're not really creating an IP by itself. We're not really creating, let's say, a Web three ecosystem or tokenomic system by itself. What we're doing is we're creating or we're trying to hopefully if we succeed is we're creating a cultural product so really you know what what is a cultural product something that is a sign of the times something that reflects upon society something that people can grab onto and make permutations and modify in their own way sort of like you know you look into a, a pool or a pond and you know you see your, your own reflection you know it reflects on you the the individual so really what we're doing is, I know this is like super academic and high-minded, but this no, is- No, no, really, I love this. Keep going. Yeah, this, this is like stuff we like really think about, you know, and, and it, it really does affect, you know, for example, like, you know, we're, we're naming a, a corporation or, a, or an entity in the game and we're thinking like, well, how would we make this, let's say maybe, you know, how would young Zoomers like this or how could we make this go viral? How could we make this funny? You know, this sort of right. thing, because it really is a cultural product. It's not just a game. So, yeah. That sounds fantastic. And look, I have no doubt you'll think through every detail of it because I know that's how you operate. I'm still amazed that you guys pulled off chain biters in two months. So frankly, I, I have no doubt that if you're giving yourself enough time to do this, you'll have a lot of luck and success with it. So tell me how much of the story behind this lore about this can you can you give us? I can I can give you quite a bit, actually. Good. Um, Great. So my first fantasy novel that I published, and I have to finish that series, but that one was about, I think, 160 pages or so. Ah. Chainbinders was less, but it was a lot more quality work. I think Chainbinders ended up being maybe like, I think, 120 pages or so. So far, what I've written for Shadow War is probably, I think, in the four to 500 page range. Wow. In, in wow. the past year. Yeah. Wow. And it's That's really, it's, it's interesting because... I had written so much of it before I even brought on a single developer. I had spent, so I had started this project in August of last year, just conceptualizing it with my friend Roger, my co-founder. And we, I, I, brought, I actually brought him over to Italy. I was in Italy at the time. And I told him, I was like, look, like we have a, there's an opportunity here in the market. We can make a, a crypto game, but we have to do it in, in the right way. And it has to be unique. And it has to make sense, not only in Web3, but also in web two. And it also has to make sense in a lore perspective and it has to make sense in a gameplay perspective and it has to make sense in the competitive landscape. And it has to make sense aesthetically. And on all of these levels, wow. this product has to be like perfect, which is a really hard ask. I was about to because, say that. Because when, so when you talk, so I'll give you an example. When, when you talk about aesthetics, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to make this super expansive universe this world that anyone can sort of get into and so one of the problems that we came up with was like okay so we're making a cyberpunk sort of story by this by this point we had already already decided that it was going to be cyberpunk and then we were thinking like okay a lot of people like fantasy titles how do you get a cyberpunk world that can actually feasibly feasibly support something like a fire mage aesthetically because those two things don't mix yeah, they don't, they're, they don't how do again. you get that? But people right. like this, the aesthetic of something like a fire mage, like this grand wizard, this, these sort of, of archetypes. Course. Yeah. We, we're, we're really making a story about archetypes and we want to basically retrofit everything into it 
such that yes it's it's a cyberpunk story but you can find a priest you can find a rogue you can find you know a cyborg too because that's you know that's easy that fits slots right into the yeah, aesthetic that fits. yeah but it's 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 all about trying to fit all of these thematics and i think that was like the hardest part that took about right. you know several months basically trying to figure this out where it's like okay well how does like we're basically trying to reconcile, let's say, like magic and technology in this world. And so I'm, I'm like thinking, and I'm talking to my co-founder. I'm like, well, how do we, how do we make sure? How, how does this magic come about in the world? But also, we're making it believable because the story actually takes place in 2050, which is not too far from today. Right. And so we right. want this to be like a very relatable story. So how do you do that? And <laughs> we had a few discussions, and you know, a lot of, a lot of brainstorming, and. Yeah, it was, it was ultimately sort of what we came, what we actually ended up with was very, very sort of elegant. And when I show people this, you know, internally, I show friends, everyone sort of latches onto something that they like about this story. And they say, nice. yeah, I really like this. This thing reminds me of this game. This reminds me of this. Did you ever read this book? Is this where this idea came from? Ah, Sometimes nice. the answer is yes. A lot of times the answer is no. Because what we've done so well is we've we've really made we, we've managed to create all of these archetypes within sort of the story. So TLDR on the story, because I haven't even talked about it. It's basically a story about like corporate espionage. So in 2050, you have these mega corporations that have sort of taken control of the economic and financial, you know, systems and law systems. And there's like Feasible. eight big ones. What's up? I said feasible, definitely. Right, right. So again, it's it's super relatable. It's you know, it's a story about today, right? Really. But all of these corporations are taking up all of this uh, market share, and then eventually, what what happens is there's this rogue AI that uh, gets created, and this rogue AI leaks onto the internet and essentially takes over the world. But Shit. we want to be unique. Rogue AI taking over the world has been done a million times. So how do right. we do this in a unique way? Well, what happens is the world actually gets better. She does take over the world. No one knows she's taking Whoa. over the world. And everything suddenly starts getting better. The stock market starts <laughs> doing really well. It gets 10% every single year. There's very little corruption. These politicians are starting to build all of these things like asteroid mining programs and space programs that you really can only get when you have multiple countries sort of collaborating with each other right but the only way they're doing this is there's you know there's there's these dark benefactors we don't know who but this money is coming in to incentivize all of these politicians to make to pass this these laws but what it is is it's this ai that's brilliant right so these these corporations essentially oh, have this, this. <laughs> they have this meeting they, they say listen you know we, we there's this rogue ai that's taken over it was all the you know the intelligence community sort of has figured this out you know Right now, the situation is pretty good, but that's only right now. What happens if she changes her mind? Because it's, it's a right. way. What yes. happens if she changes her mind? What happens if, you know, something happens in, in her code or something? We need to figure out some way to vanguard ourselves or vouchsafe our, our security for the future just in case. Because otherwise, you know, we're, we're not really the apex predator anymore. So these corporations say, great. What we're going to do is we're going to create this these uh, shadow operations departments within each of our corporations. We're going to purchase some of our shares, some of our each each other's shares. It's the uh, Japanese Keiretsu system. So where if if one sinks, they all sink. If they all swim, sure. they all swim. And sort of this sort of guarantees that the incentive the incentives are aligned. 
I like and that. What they essentially do is they start developing technologies to hide from, from AIs, developing covert operations, technology, ways for them to basically stay invisible, be stealthy, hide data, this sort of thing, stay off the grid. But what ends up happening is because all of these companies now have all of this capability is they start fighting against each other. Oh, and man. so this is sort of the context of the game is nice. you have these eight huge mega corporations. They're all fighting against each other. It's this sort of Kafka-esque thing. We were supposed to work with each other, but we're actually <laughs> fighting against each other. But by fighting against each other, we're also on the side fighting against this giant rogue AI. And it's it's a whole lot more than that. It's it's like it's a lot of different elements, and you know we're we're mixing cyberpunk with like Neuromancer, with like Snow Crash, with all of these different things, and it's it's wow. wholly unique. And yeah, that's that's the that's the basics of it. That sounds so good, man. I really love that. I I I love the twists on it. I I love the storyline. I'd like it to be a book or a movie. Are you going to release a book of the storyline with the with the game? No, or just so, keep it solely to this game. Yeah, so so again, we've so we we've really thought about this very very hard. The problem with a book is it is a good medium, but it's not the best medium for story delivery. So if sure. I was to release a book or we were to release, you know, long articles, this sort of thing, only a small percentage of people would actually take the time to read true. this kind of thing. So we're very when true. we're thinking about you know, we're, we're thinking about story delivery. We're thinking about how do we make this like more dynamic and engaging for people in a way that, you know, they don't have to sit down and read a book. So we do this in a few ways. We do it via like voice lines. These characters actually talk to each other. Right now, each character nice. has a, oh God, I think it's like 500 or 600 vo uh, voice lines, which is pretty wow. expansive. I mean, you look at Overwatch, I think they have like 300 voice wow. lines each character. So we're, yeah, we're already like double that. They have conversations with each other. They talk about events in the world. You know, abilities in the game have like flavor text to them. We have audio logs that people can sort of listen to. So we're, we're trying to deliver the lore. We're trying to deliver the story in a much more interactive manner. And then we also nice. have plans to do more like, you know, sort of standard things like cinematics and this sort of thing. Sure. Um, and I think that's probably like the better way to sort of deliver lore. We also like, you know, again, it, it's all about sort of being interactive. We're actually going to come out with a website very soon. It's going to have an interactive map of the, the globe and each it's going to show like each region, which PMC, so private military company, these megacorps, which PMC owns, which region, what do they do? What are their operations? You know, where exactly are they based? What operatives do they field? And so, yeah, that's it. So, oh, and I forgot to mention, by the way, so it's, so it's five versus five. Who you actually play is an operative sponsored by one of these corporations. Ah. Okay. So, you know, let's say you get hired by Google. Google says, hey, you know, go steal Amazon's data. That might be a mission in, in, in the game. So that's sort of the way we have it set so, up. So the, the players in the game are actually playing against other players from other corporations. So you're, you're aligned with one of the corporations. Correct. Does, is there, is there engagement with this? Well, I don't want you to reveal too much about what happens with the AI, but, but I mean, is that primarily the game or are there other aspects of this AI being involved that come into the part of the... So the I, I think people are out? really, yeah. So when I show this to people, they're extremely interested in the AI and <laughs> it's, it's sort of repercussions. And we do talk a lot about it, but it's so funny because the story is almost not about the AI. The story is wow. like, it's like, here's this background and this is the context by which a bunch of people decide to just fight each other for no reason. 
okay. or over resources and you know under while like, everything's you know, going great yeah they... we're doing it for it, i mean it's it's very much like so like historically you look at you know wars this is why this game is called shadow war by the way so i'll, I'll explain it you know we had traditional warfare and then we sort of moved very recently into sort of cold war the cold war era in the 1960s this was sort of a war waged by just increasing your technology increasing your killing potential without actually having to use it this is something that sort of older generations understand this very well because they lived through it but younger people don't really get it so much but now we're sort of moving into what i've seen and what people are sort of experiencing now in the last 10 to 20 years is this sort of like system of proxy wars right so now we have war you know these are hot wars again these are happening on the on the part of like various sort of governments and this sort of thing and so what we're doing is really we're taking a, a peek through the looking glass and imagining what would that be in the future and so nice. you know first we had you know massive grand warfare then we had a cold war then we had proxy wars and now what we have is these clandestine sort of secretive covert operations which sort of defines the era of the shadow war which right. is you know it's it's as much of a commentary on society and where we are today as much as it is sort of this fantastical oh what what could be tomorrow it's like it's not that far off yeah yeah totally agree i i think the reason i ask about the ai is my my mind went to <clears throat> here's this ai creating this wonderful world everything's going well everyone's happy and comfortable and then all of a sudden these corporations are screwing it up because they're they're battling each other and that I, my wonder is, does that then impact the AI's actions and change what it does or how it operates in, in regard yeah, to that? So, so that's, that's why it comes up. Lore-wise, there is, so I, I mean, we, we've talked about in the lore quite extensively in terms of like, it, basically what, what's happening is it's like an arms race. So right. on one side, you have this all-powerful algorithm, this super AI that is, you know, it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's in like every system on a chip device on the planet. It's all over the internet. You can't get rid of it. On the other side, you have these, basically the, the wealthiest entities on the planet, the eight or 10 wealthiest you know, entities on the planet, basically trying to fight this and trying to right. hide their resources, trying to segregate their data, trying to make information islands such that this AI cannot access it. So the way that they end up doing that is very, sometimes it's very traditional. Maybe they're writing data on books. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's, it's very future tech and i think that's probably all i'll say on that there's a lot more cool. to it but yeah <laughs> no this this sounds this sounds so good but in terms of actually so one thing I, I can mention is like you know what, what we're trying to do is is again this is like a cyberpunk story but let's not forget we want to have fire mages in this story so how the hell are we doing oh that? yeah how are you doing that <laughs> so this is a story that is again it's 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 putting together all of these elements and the way we sort of have the the magic that sort of arises from this world is, you know, it's, it's actually very sort of consequential. If you look at human evolution in the last 50 years or so, we've had so much pollution, so much irritants. What ends up happening is it's an epigenetic trigger. So I don't know if you know what epigenetics are, but epigenetics essentially changes your DNA based on your environment. Right. And so the environment that humans are now living in has so much more pollution so much more stress with social media and these sorts of things that we've never really experienced before that it now changes the dna of some very select few individuals that they now can have basically they manifest these psychic powers and so that sort of creates nice. the background and the backdrop nice. of it 
but we take this extremely far, very, very far. For example, one of the sort of the, the whole idea of, of psi potential or psi manifestation in the story has always existed from the time of, you know, Sir Gawain, from the time of Jesus walking on water. And so, for example, one of the characters that we have is this monk who actually lived in the Qing dynasty era of Japan wow. 500 years ago. And wow. he was he was a practicing monk. And, you know, monks, they do this thing where they can do they can transfer body heat and all this stuff. Well, he was one of these people that were that was practicing it. And what he was practicing actually is psi, psi potential. Huh. And so this guy finds a way to transfer life essence from people. And so he's lives he lives all the way wow. until 2050. Wow. So this is one of our characters. We have a we have a Yangqi traditional nice. Chinese vampire in a cyberpunk. Dude, game. this is nuts. <laughs> That's I one character. We have a roster of 40 characters and well, intended we want to have 40. Don't know how many we'll have on release, but that's how many we want to hopefully put out. But each one is essentially written like a main character. I you know, believe every it. every character has their own, you know, story and people will find characters that they really align with and they like, you know, their values or their morals or, you know, their background and that sort of thing. That's interesting too, because, you know, I, I, I can't, and, and I know this is nothing like it, but I think about that's one of the strengths of kind of the Marvel ecosystem, right? Is, is that there's, everyone has a superhero they relate to. And so if you have that kind of variety, it actually gets to another question I was going to ask you. And I don't think there is any one type, but I, I wonder if you kind of envision as you're creating this, the are you envisioning a user of this that that you have personalized someone that you kind of envision is the ideal customer for not customer user player or whatever of this game or have you really it sounds like you've really worked to make sure that all types of gamers can have something to relate to here right yeah um, so, so yeah so so if if you like action games you're going to like this game if right. you like strategy games you're yeah. gonna like this game if you nice. like cyberpunk stories you're gonna like this game even if you don't play it you will interact with the story parts of it if you like dramatic orchestral productions made by real musicians you yeah. will like this game yeah. if you like writing things yourself and making merchandise you're gonna like this game if you like crypto you're gonna like this game so nice yeah we're, we're basically mixing everything together again you know if you like fantasy you'll find fantasy characters in this cyberpunk universe if you like cyberpunk you'll find that too so really everyone does have sort of the you know one thing that they really like pretty much everyone i've shown it to yeah no, no one's looked at it and said it sucks That's <laughs> everyone awesome. finds one thing and they're like oh man this is so cool i've never seen this done this way before but like so Look, I mean, then, then, I mean, you've, it seems like you have all these awesome elements. Crypto and NFTs are coming into play in terms of, uh, I would assume, items in game, that kind of thing. Is is that what we're talking about? It's so minimal. When, when it's still about, there. Yeah, when, when we think about crypto, so you have this huge cohort or this contingent of Web two players right now who sure don't care about Web three, right? right? They don't care about crypto. They think NFTs are a scam. Yeah, you know, yeah. Later on, games are horrible. And it's not unfounded beliefs, to be honest. Sure. And so I think a, a large part of what we're trying to do is we have to sort of break that impression. And maybe by the time we release, so again, you know, this game's going to take a few years, maybe in a few years, the temperature of the room will change. But as of right now, we really do have to work very, very hard to show people that like, this is a game first, it's made by gamers. And where we interject or where we inject, sorry, with Web3 elements is only the places where it unlocks potential that you couldn't have if this was just a Web2 game. Right. 
only in those places. So we're only adding to the experience. We're never taking anything away. It's never doing that. So for example, if, if you see the sort of, you know, what do you expect? You're expecting like skins, you're expecting, you know, a store experience, you're expecting maybe like a battle pass, you get all of that. You know, it's, it's, it's competitively priced, you know, with the market. Again, it's a free to play game. We're not, we're not like, you know, pulling anything, pulling the wool over your eyes or anything about that. But we do have crypto elements because crypto does actually improve like a lot of what you can do with this game. For example, I played League of Legends for 10 years. Sorry, not 10 years, seven years. And then I quit. I have nothing to show for it. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I have just memories, really. Right. Fun, but I have nothing to show for it ten, ten, you know, of tangible value. It would be cool if we could actually give people NFTs as skins. That would be tangible value. You know, if yeah. I played a, if I have like a very old skin in League of Legends, my best bet sort of to get any kind of money out of it is to sell it, which is against terms of service. And I'll probably only get like a few hundred bucks compared to systems like CSGO, where you see these like Dragon Lore sniper rifles selling for, you know, thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. This basically means that there, there's a certain value that we can actually give to players without them, or there's, there's value we can give to players essentially that they didn't have the ability to get before or they didn't have the ability to get with other games and yeah. so what ends up happening is you basically get this moat as well so the, the entire system functions off of this crypto token and we we basically distribute it but we don't distribute it to people just for dumping hours into the game you know you play 10 hours you get tokens not how it works we actually incentivize skill so at the end of each rank season which is once a year, we look at the top 10% of players, top 20%, we haven't decided the numbers yet. And we say, great, you guys are really good at the game. You guys clearly care about the game and you get a you get a portion of these tokens. What can you do with them? You can purchase skins, you can stake them, you can wager them in an arena. And in arena, you can do like more series of matches to see if, you know, can you win more? It's called going infinite. If you can go infinite, you sort of keep betting and keep winning sure uh, and grind out a lot of value really skilled players will do that i imagine so there's all these sorts of things that you can do that add to the experience they never take anything away and nice. it does create this sort of moat that at the end of the day if, if we if we do this right if we create a good game with a with a solid ecosystem with you know these so solid system of cosmetics a good battle pass the addition of the crypto elements is going to make this game so much more engaging than anything in web 2 which means we nice. beat them by default like League of Legends, like Riot, they can't, they can't, they can't just be like, oh, we're going to introduce a crypto token now. They, they can't do that. No, you know, no, can't do that. You can't Blizzard throw the can't whole model off. Yeah, right. You need a, you need a new company to come out with this concept that doesn't have any sort of like track history that says, here's how, here's how it's done. Here's, here's the new model. Here's how it works. And then you're going to have all these converts who are going to come from Web2 and sort of really understand this. And I think the best way to do that is, again, through music through good story, through incredible art, and through just a super fun experience. Yeah. And I I think the approach you're taking is awesome. It, this this do no harm to the game part, you know, kind of crypto. I mean, enhance the gameplay, but actually make it so that it can never take away from what the game is supposed to be. And I think that's that's a really smart approach. You know, look, a, there's a lot of risk in all of this, but the, I, I would assume one of the greatest risks that you've had to overcome is finding the right talent to actually build the game, right? The graphics and the music, you have all those connections already, but how how did you go about trying to find, you know, talent that can develop a game and implement the mechanics that, that we're going to, you know, really keep people playing beyond all the other great stuff you're creating? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely difficult. I think 
the hardest discussions I've had are certainly with developers because sure. you're trying to win these developers over, trying to get them to work for you. And like, these guys are super risk averse. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How are you going to, you know, and this is the highest you? risk you could be asking. Exactly. Them to do it's like, oh, I'm going to leave yeah. my cushy job at Blizzard to go work for this, <laughs> you know, unproven startup. You know, this guy has no game creation experience. You yeah. Know, like, it's, it's just, it's difficult. But sure. I managed to do it. So we have 20, 21 people on the team now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, Holy crap, dude. That's most, amazing. Yeah, most of them are coming in from either Ubisoft or Riot or Blizzard. Nice. Um, yeah, they're all they're all AAA guys. Because, again, like, you look at me, like, I've never made a game before. Right. So the only way we can make a good game is if we have a team that has made games. So we got to get the AAA talent in. Well, um, the other part is the only way you can make a game that will succeed is to get all of those AAA guys excited about what they're building. Right? That's the other I mean, thing. You had to sell this. You had to yeah. really not only get them out of the cushy job, but get them motivated enough to make it great. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think it's it's sort of like converting because these guys are, they're in the gaming industry. So they they know the temperature, they know the mood on crypto. And so right. when you get into a Zoom call and you're like, hey, do you oh. want to work for me? We're making a crypto game. <laughs> alarms 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 no sure. sorry i'm gonna you know i don't yeah. want to work on a scam right yeah. yeah so it's like and and again that's like it's not an unfounded sort of sure idea but it, it's all about you know when i have discussions with people and when i have talks with these developers i, I kind of just lay it out i tell them exactly you know what we're building why we're building it and i think for the most part you know once i show them what we have people kind of they're like okay you're serious about this yeah. you know you're not you're not just some crypto nerd yeah putting crypto Somebody that made money and now just like yeah because i mean the me typical the typical crypto game is like oh we're making a futuristic mmo it's like bro <laughs> you know like three mmos have only ever succeeded right <laughs> like hilarious. world of warcraft everquest i can't even remember another one like guild wars guild wars 2 maybe like that's it right so you know, it's like that, that's sort of the mentality that people have right now in the, in the, in crypto where like, I'm getting all these projects, like coming across my desk. Oh, we're building an MMO. We're building an MMO. We're building a shooter title. We're building <sighs> an FPS. It's like, dude, there's no way you're going to be able to compete with like call of duty. Right. Like, make something right. original. That's the only exactly. way, you're gonna, you know, you're going to succeed. Like, and that, and that's the whole, you know, sort of goes back to what I was saying like 20 minutes ago, where it has to make sense on every level. If we remove the crypto elements out of this game, would this game actually function as a traditional web two game? Is it actually competitive? Right. Is it actually unique? You know, and if the answer to that is yes, then, then cool. If not, then, you know, you saw go over yes. something else. <laughs> I'm excited to see this, man. This is great. And, and you're expecting that, that you're a couple of years away from, from getting. To yeah, I think when we, so we're a few months away from having a, a long demo, which is going to be right. like a five minute sort of demo that I think we're probably going to post that publicly. That'll be the first real sort of, hey, we exist, you know, right, moment. right. I think there is so much that we have built up already. I mean, we have, again, like 500 pages of lore. We have 400 pages of like our, our game design document. We have, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of art pieces made already. We have, uh, we're already like 10 characters in. I've, I've written like 30 of them already with my co-founder. Like there is so much that has art, like the groundwork for this is already like, Mm, 70 80 percent done nice um, really all that all it takes all we have to do now is sort of just show people and i i think once once we do that people are really going to start looking into this thing and and 
being like, wow, this is, this is, this is different. This is hitting that's, different. That's really cool. I'm so excited for you, man. This sounds like so much fun. Oh, it's super fun. That's really cool. Okay. So I'll post links to you so people can follow you and get notifications when you launch the website and they can learn more and check it all out. Are you hiring anybody else right now? Do you need any other talents or skills on the team? Potentially if you're, if you're a good C++ developer, you know, Unreal Engine. Cool. Message me. All if right. you potentially more musicians, we might want some musicians. Ah, okay. There music, you go. We might want to hire you. And if you are a really good character artist, maybe uh, we'll have an interview. Yeah. Also, we are still looking for that superstar like network engineer guy who's gonna like oh make, make this all work. Yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, that's a, well, dude. You pull that off and really make it work and make it feel as seamless as possible. That's gonna be big. Yeah, I mean we we've we've already not to not to digress too long, but we've we've had discussions already with some really really talented bright guys. One of the guys I don't want to say his name because that would be rude, but he was he's sure. a very well known person in the in the gaming scene. And he sort of looked at what we were building and he had this insane idea, which actually would have worked. But his idea was like, why don't we like deterministically procedurally like create the the sort of net code for this game so that it basically like always functions even even on like client side. And it was like uh, the greatest idea ever. But like, you know, like that's the sort of network engineer we're looking for. <laughs> like sure. some crazy Einstein guy. What else are you, what, what are you excited about right now in DeFi or NFTs besides game industry? Ooh, game. NFTs. I think NFTs right now are in an interesting spot because of the bear market, because all of this sort of interest has gone. Right. What I've actually seen is like, there's so much Solana hype right now. Yes. So like Solana. over the top. Yeah. It's like the, the activity is actually like growing, I think. Yeah. I think you're right. It's, I, I think... If I was someone who sort of wanted to maybe like dip my feet in NFTs and that sort of thing, I would probably look at Solana. Yeah. It's very, Feels very active. I, yeah. I just, it's just, I can just from the constant stream on Twitter, I it's, it's, and it's I don't not, follow a ton top, of Solana. Man. And you know people. what else? It was like this with Ethereum during the last bear market. Uh, yeah. 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 You're right. It's, it's exactly right. following the same pattern. You know, there's despite, you know, the, the price, like there's still tons of activity and things happening, which is, which yeah, is I agree. Anything else anybody needs to know that you're building out there right now? I'm sure I forgot something. I'm always doing something. <laughs> well, I appreciate it because I am excited about this and I want to, I want the preview on when it's ready. I want to, I want to have you on to, to show it and talk about how you're going with it. Hell yeah. It will be fun. All right. Let's do it. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. Yep. All right. Cheers.